the bank executive committee, people who are actually uh, uh, making decisions on getting software, uh, are not super technical themselves, which 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 is worsened by the fact that machine learning is a fairly new technology. You're listening to Payments Innovation, a podcast dedicated to helping business leaders navigate today's global digital economy. Looking to learn about the latest innovations within fintech and payments? You've come to the right place. Let's get into the show. Welcome to the Payments Innovation Podcast. Uh, This is Chris D'Antuano with Currency Cloud. And today, I'm happily joined by Sankate Pathak from Synapse FI. Sankate, how are you today? Hey, Chris. I'm good. How are you? I am doing well, thanks. I appreciate you getting on the show. Happy to have you on to for our listeners to be able to hear about what you're doing over at uh, Synapse FI. If you could, to get started, if you can give a brief background of yourself and how you ended up at Synapse. Sure. Um, yeah, so, um, again, I came to America about eight, nine years ago, and uh, I tried to apply for a bank account when I came here, and uh, no one would open me a bank account because I didn't have Social Security. Um, and I thought back then that was just like, kind of this one-off thing, uh, I'm, I'm a new immigrant just trying to settle into a new country. Um, but even when I got my social security number later, even then none of the banks would open a bank account for me online. I had to walk into a bank branch. Um, and uh, the more I started thinking about that problem, it turned out banks are just not built to be able to handle uh, uh, um, anyone who does not have a credit. Uh, so for all of that, there's a manual trigger that gets it gets uh, activated in a way. If you have to walk into a bank branch, you need a bank manager, uh, they vet and verify you in person, and then they open a bank account for you. Um, it, sound like, it sounded like a strange thing. Uh, I thought this problem was only restricted to immigrants, but it turns out anyone who's underbanked or unbanked uh, faces the same issue. Um, so it seemed like to me back then, let's just try to automate uh, this, these manual functions in a bank that people are doing. And if we can do that well, then we would have solved a significant problem in banking. Um, uh, as we were doing that, it turned out banks are not um, good at buying software, especially from startups. Um, so it just made sense to start building out a vertically integrated ecosystem ourselves in which uh, uh, we would provide uh, banking services to, to fintech companies uh, um, who would be eager to build consumer-facing applications on top of that. So kind of started off as this back office automation thing, but then ended up being this uh, banking platform uh, that allows anyone to uh, uh, integrate payments or deposit accounts or cards or lending products into their own application. So kind of like a wholesale bank with APIs. That's what that's where we are today. That's excellent. And then when you say when the, your target market, are they specifically banks currently, uh, or are you able to offer your support to uh, to other services as well, other corporates or, or merchants or other companies looking to get involved uh, in the payments? Actually, we don't offer services to banks usually. We only partner with banks to be able to offer services to fintech companies. So our market is uh, any fintech company that wants to build out some kind of a finance product. It could be a savings application investment application, a new bank like Simple or Chime, what have you, uh, uh, you can provide like a, a full stack banking product uh, uh, with Synapse's API. 
Now, when you talk uh, to these companies uh, and you're providing, you know, your automation uh, services to them, where do you see the biggest pain points that they come to market with um, that a solution like yours can help them get to market? Yeah, uh, there are a couple of things. Uh, one is just a bank partnership discovery. Usually that's a challenging process and it takes too long. Uh, if you work with Synapse, you don't have to go and find the bank separately. Like we bring in the banking partnership as well. Uh, so that really, uh, that really cuts down uh, um, uh, how quickly you can get to market. Like with us, you can get to market in about 30 days or less in most cases. Uh, uh, if you're going to find a partner bank yourself, it usually takes six months to a year, depending on how quickly you can implement things. Uh, the second piece is uh, um, uh, compliance know-how. Uh, um, most like technical people that are wanting to build uh, a banking platform are precisely engineers um, and they don't really understand the banking landscape as well. Uh, since we've been doing this with about 150 companies at this point, we have a fairly good idea of, of what what regulatory things to worry about in what industry. Um, and we really provide uh, 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 like fairly hands-on support with that as well. And then the third piece is it's better tech at the end of the day. Uh, you don't have to go and integrate with five different providers. You don't have to go and integrate with Plaid for account aggregation, uh, Lock Score or Jameel for government ID verification and SSN, then find the payment process there, and then a bank to hold deposits with. Uh, all of that just comes in. So we're just, we end up being a one-stop shop for everything. Um, these three things are primarily why people find this appealing. So I'd really love to touch in on the compliance piece as over here uh, at Currency Cloud, uh, you know, we're providing that support for international businesses as well as the states are a bit tricky compared to outside of uh, the landscape. Um, So when you say you're working on uh, compliance and connecting them to a partner, are you actually giving them um, a a regulation pinpoint to be able to collect funds uh, and deliver uh, from the tech solution? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, uh, we help them like with everything. Like in our case, the biggest things you have to worry about are Reg B. If you're offering like savings account, then Reg. Uh, uh, well, Reg B is a savings account. Reg E for payment products. Uh, any de- deposit uh, uh, account regulations, card processing or card issuance regulations, what have you. Uh, uh, everything we we kind of help people build out their entire program. Like we have, uh, a f- like now at this point, about six platform architects in the company that are pretty much product managers for our partners. So all the fintech companies that are working with us get a platform architect assigned. And that person is the point person who would uh, uh, help them uh, not only architect their product really well on top of Synapse, but also make sure they comply with all the regulations needed to be able to offer a financial product. Uh, um, So yeah, all of these things end up being fairly helpful. And when you, uh, I guess, have the uh, software suite of multiple services and, and in being that, uh, I guess, enterprise solution where you kind of eliminate having to, to go to market with multiple different partners, as far as the partner relationships that you have connecting uh, the dots, um, do you see your, uh, your clients or enterprise clients um, having to go uh, establish those relationships on their own and, and kind of creating challenges that way. And, and you're providing essentially a suite of services for them uh, to be able to offer different markets. So do you have essentially uh, a partner relationship uh, team that actually establishes these and, and keeps uh, the integrations up to date as far as the different ones that you're offering to your end client? 
Yeah, um, ironically, we have uh, very few partnerships to maintain. Like the biggest partnerships we maintain are our bank partners. Uh, um, when it comes to building out uh, back office automation tools, most of that work gets done in-house. Um, uh, and then we have like small tertiary partners, so like phone number verification, email verification, address verification, things like that. Uh, but most of the stuff is being developed in-house, which which ends up, which gives us like a fairly robust control over how to deploy these technologies for for different solutions that we're building out. Um, um, but the banking partnership does does require uh, kind of constant care and attention and making sure we keep them up to date on everything that we're doing. Um, that piece does require dedicated people for sure. I'd like to touch on the, I guess, the third point earlier that you mentioned as far as creating this automation technology for banks um, that essentially pretty much was non-existent prior. Um, when you were doing your research in, in creating Synapse, why do you think the banks are behind in the automation piece uh, and you know, giving yourself uh, that advantage to come to market and have those opportunities available? Um, why do you think it didn't exist already and you're able to provide that solution? Um, I think there are three reasons for this. Um, uh, and I've thought about this a lot. Uh, I think the very first reason is, uh, uh, contrary to popular belief, uh, most of this regulatory work is fairly new for banks. It kind of happened after the Patriot Act. Before that, it didn't exist. Uh, a lot of the KYC AML work that banks are doing today, so they, they were never set out to deal with these challenges. Uh, and then the second piece is uh, by the fact that machine learning is a fairly new technology. Uh, um, so those two pieces kind of tie in together. And and then uh, it's like another piece is very like bureaucratic, but uh, it's, it's, it's also how banks assign budgets to software. Uh, uh, they kind of start out uh, uh, end of one fiscal year and try to like carve out some of the money for exploring new products and projects. Um, and, and in most cases, is that money is not sufficient or it's not being utilized <laughs> in the best possible way. Uh, so all these things kind of factor in to the fact that banks have a deadlock on the situation. They're not really moving as fast as they should. Uh, and, and it didn't exist until, like, to be very frank, like most of these technologies didn't even exist until uh, one or two years ago, because uh, uh, the state of the art in AI or machine learning was just not there when it came to computer vision. Uh, and most of these problems are vision challenges, like being able to read government IDs, enhance due diligence documents, uh, 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 like all of these things that humans are doing are fairly heavy on computer vision stack. And uh, computer vision just wasn't as good two years ago compared to how it is now. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, and over the past two years, it's it's gone this far um, already. Now, where where do you see the next two years, I guess, as far as the movement with AI and, and the advantages given? So uh, where do you see this growing to in, I guess, the next two to three years? Yeah, there are actually competing thoughts on this. Uh, uh, um, there are two different thought processes. Uh, the first one is the camp that really, really still believes in the centralized identity verification solution. So uh, things like TransUnion and all the credit score companies. And uh, over there, the idea is, well, credit score companies have a lot of false negatives and um, bad data that could be cleaned up with machine learning and have a risk-based probabilistic approach 
uh, and you can still use these legacy databases to be able to do most of the underwriting tasks. Uh, uh, and the second uh, uh, mindset is, well, we don't really need a centralized identity verification solution anymore. Uh, the whole reason why we had that was because it was a proxy uh, uh, for not being able to uh, like recreate this manual work again and again by humans. You can just go and point to a number and say, okay, well, uh, 10 other people have relied on that number, so can I. Uh, but now the cost of computation with AI is Going, getting so low that you don't really have to rely on these legacy databases, in my opinion. And what you can build out is like a trustless verification layer, which means uh, uh, go pretty much do old school, but but automated. Like how we used to underwrite people before they would walk into a bank branch and um, we would look at their face, make sure that the government ID that's being presented to us is actually of the individuals because that person sitting in front of you, uh, being able to quickly uh, underwrite the proof of income uh, documents and things like that, and a bunch of these things that you could do with, with humans, now you can do with AI. Um, and in my mind, we should go back to the trustless verification layer where everybody has a suite of software that performs certain computational tasks again and again, and, and, and underwrite uh, uh, individuals in a very distributed manner. So you have almost no central database for underwriting anymore. Uh, so that's where I see the world's going to go. Like you're going to start with a government ID verification, proof of address, proof of income verification. Uh, then you're going to go into things like video authorization, another technology that we built out in which uh, it does facial recognition, lip reading, uh, 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 voice to text to be able to know exactly who's sitting behind the computer. Um, then you can like ramp that thing even more uh, by doing like uh, uh, web web crawling and kind of trying to automate a bunch of the pieces there. Um, so I feel the next couple of years you're gonna see a heavier emphasis on vision stack uh, um, and being able to being able to automate things that traditionally weren't automated. Uh, and obviously all the risk based stuff is going to happen. So you're gonna get better at uh, uh, more more customized models for transaction underwriting and all those things would happen. Uh, um, but on top of that, I think you're going to have this another layer of computer vision uh, that would really help you to enhance due diligence things uh, and also automate regular due, due, due diligence tasks as well. If you don't want to rely on something like social security number, which has been compromised for half of the country now anyways. Um, so I, I see computer vision getting more and more Prominent, not just in banking, but in in general, in uh, just just on the internet. Um, even even I read news a couple of days ago when it came to uh, uh, like political advertising. Now Google's uh, uh, asking everybody to to present a government ID who actually wants to do any any political ad work on on Google AdWords at all. They're trying to do uh, a, a bank type KYC on individuals who are trying to post ads for different campaigns or different different political views in itself. Uh, so I don't think this vision thing is just going to happen in banking. I think it's going to happen in Uber, Lyft, Airbnb, and like ad stuff, politics, like everywhere. Um, so yeah, I see like computer vision becoming more and more prominent than it is today. Yeah, we agree here too. And And one thing I just wanted to touch on that. So we... You know, we're seeing a lot of push uh, with innovative fintechs coming involved uh, in the consumer space in regards to identity confirmation um, and, and different lanes to be able to create that. And why do you think 
for business verification and, and the B2B aspect in the fintech space, why do you think there's more challenges uh, to face there in, in, I guess, comparison to the consumer space? Um, you know, why isn't there a, a business uh, like Venmo type product currently um, or, or, you know, or approvals for businesses as streamlined there is as consumers? A really good question. Uh, um, uh, here's the difference between consumer verification and business verification, right? So when you do consumer verification, there's a set list of documents you collect. So you can collect a government ID. Uh, you can collect, if you're still unsure about where they are, you can like, uh, uh, get their location, pinpoint them uh, where they are. If uh, data points don't match, you can ask them to upload a selfie, upload a small video, upload like some enhanced like proof of address, utility bill type documents. When it comes to a business, uh, it gets fairly interesting because you have to collect articles of incorporation, bylaws, uh, uh, make sure that uh, uh, you, you are KYC like all the primary shareholders according to BSA, which is anyone who owns over 10% equity in the company. Um, and, and most of the complexity ends up going there, which is, okay, how can we automatically verify uh, uh, bylaws and, and uh, 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 principal membership documents, right? Like, how can you verify those? Because those are fairly complicated documents um, uh, with, like, 50 to 100 pages on an average. Um, and that's where you're, like, that's, that's, that's where the gist of the issue is, because that, that is inherently a slightly different problem than all the traditional computer vision problems we face so far. Because they're just one canvas problem, right? Either you have one government ID presented to you, you very minimal OCR work, uh, or even proof of address documents on one page, very little OCR work. Um, and now you're looking at these like 50 page documents, uh, which, is, which is going to require sophistication in uh, natural language processing and computer vision. Um, and, and even a natural processing, uh, 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 even in natural language processing, it would require figuring out which pieces of the document to read and what do they really mean. Like topic modeling alone wouldn't work here. There has to be more creative solutions here. Um, and, and that's really like the bottleneck challenge. Like we're super focused on this this year. Uh, that's why you even know about it this much. Um, but yeah, this is a hard problem to solve. It is, and it's a challenge that we're looking to to overcome as well as we uh, bring on businesses here as well, um, like yourself. Well, San Kate, I appreciate the time today. This is really good information for our listeners. Um, I guess to wrap up, if if you could, for our listeners, uh, what's the best way to contact uh, you guys over at Synapse? Yeah, uh, there are multiple ways. Uh, um, you can tweet at us if you want. Uh, uh, it's just at Synapse by. Uh, you can you can email us at hello at Synapse by dot com. If you want to email me, you can email at s at Synapse by dot com. So those three are usually good places to start. Excellent. Well, once again, thank you. Appreciate the time today. Really good information for our listeners. So um, we'll be in touch shortly. Take care. A developer friendly APIs at currencycloud.com. You've been listening to the Payments Innovation Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe now in iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Until next time.